When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Welcome to it, Weekend Editions here at Tail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Mark Cranach on assignment this weekend. We are on the road, and I'm staring out of the new aquatic center at uh, Wilderness Ridge. The slide looks, well, mesmerizing, quite frankly. I'm about 30 feet or a bad chip flip shot from me from the practice greens here at uh, the redone, revamped, incredible Wilderness Ridge. We are out here, of course, for the Team Jack Golf Classic that gets going around 9.30. And uh, just a a phenomenal morning to be out. Uh, No wind, uh, mid to low 70s here as we enter in further to the morning. And uh, we're streaming live here on ESPN Lincoln's Facebook and Twitter feed. The man, the myth, the legend making that slow walk is uh, Mike Schuhart. Uh, he'll be with us in a little bit. We will talk with Phil Steele uh, as uh, Phil Steele joined us earlier in the week, college football preview. A lot of former Huskers going to be here to help raise money to fight uh, against pediatric brain cancer. Uh, Shuey is uh, going to sit in with this right now. Uh, we catch up with him a lot of Wednesdays on Hale Varsity Radio, but Elijah, uh, just a gorgeous morning and a wonderful cause today that, uh, you know what, going to be here at Wilderness Ridge, uh, the Team Jack Golf Classic. Well, it even got Shuey to pull out a tie on a Saturday morning. Wow. I think Shuey wears the tie more often than, than we're, uh, we're accustomed to. Shuey, how are you, brother? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Uh, this is such a great cause uh, when it comes to Team Jack and uh, the Golf Classic is underway. We've had uh, a chance to chat with Spencer Long and, and Jeremiah Searles, two dear friends of ours, leading up to this event. But uh, the signage is up. Uh, the, the banquet area is ready to go. And uh, there's going to be a lot of uh, Husker fans uh, swinging the clubs today in the name uh, for Team Jack. Yeah, we're super excited to have them, you know, and to see all the former players and active players and uh all the supporters of the event. So we're super excited to see everybody have them out. they got a gorgeous day to play golf. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that's that's a bonus. So. Shuey, this is uh, a, a long process that I know kicked off last weekend when we talked Wilderness Ridge, brother, and uh, the Aquatic Center is masterful. Have, have you got your, your lap time down? Uh, you've been able to, to to work on that. Tell me uh, what what folks can check out here. This is flat out beautiful. You got the deck uh, that's always been a staple. Uh, the golf course is second to none, and now folks can can swim up and get hydrated. Exactly. So it's been it's been super exciting. I mean, our our membership that uh, finally when it opened up, you know, over the fourth, uh, all 
of them have been super excited about it amazingly uh, a lot of good comments uh, better than expected mm -hmm. that's always good to hear and it is i mean it's spectacular i mean it's a huge area has five different bodies of water so there's a lot of different things you get to do the lazy river is seems to be super super popular i saw you over the bridge there uh, minding yeah. shop over yes, the lazy yeah. river yeah so swim up bar is is very popular as well so it's just it's really neat because there's like i said there's five bodies of water so there's always something you can kind of go and do um and uh it is it's been very well attended let's put it that way <laughs> well there's uh there's parts for for everybody there's parts for mom and dad there's parts for the kiddies the, the sl have you gone down the slide yet i haven't <laughs> <laughs> what was really cool is our uh, our marketing director he actually took his phone, went down the slide. Oh, did he? Took a picture going down the slide. He's videoed? Yeah, it's really cool. <laughs> oh, Mike Schuart's with us. Shu, I know you got a lot of running to do. I wanted to, to grab you, though, real quick and say, first and foremost, thanks for all you do and thanks for yeah. having us out. And congratulations on just a, an incredible setup here with the Aquatic Center at Wilderness Ridge. Real quick, we're, we're posted up here. Uh, is this the the kind of the outdoor indoor banquet facility? There's tables and chairs. There's a, just a gorgeous patio, not far from the the, the practice green. What's uh, what's this officially titled, my friend? This is our pro shop learning center. Okay, so it's a combination of both. So our pro shop is on on the, the east side of the building, and then we go into our kind of our learning center, which we also can use as event space. Mm -hmm. So it's a really cool building, what they built and what we have, you know, because it has multi-uses to it. Mm -hmm. So um, it's been awesome, you know, what we've done so far this year, being able to to do what we do, do what I do, mm -hmm. but also then be able to accommodate our members in different events and events like this to be able to host that. So it, it's just they did a fantastic job with with putting things together and thinking about everything that mm -hmm. goes into what it is. And it, it's, it's functioned and worked incredibly well. So I'm super fortunate to, to be able to come to work every day and get to look mm -hmm. at this and, and be involved in it. Mike Schuhart, uh, Wilderness Ridge Golf, uh, Team Jack Golf Outing, the Team Jack Golf Classic gets going around 9.30. Shuey, appreciate you, brother. You bet. Always. Good to see you. Always. We will uh, chat soon, and uh, it's good to spend some time with Shuey. As uh, we are out here at Wilderness Ridge, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, and uh, you uh, turn our attention to uh, to some football here. And I know we have a lot of former Huskers that are uh, set to, uh, to to swing away and have a great time in the name of Team Jack. And if you want to donate, if you want to uh, uh, give back to Team Jack, help the fight against pediatric brain cancer. Uh, you're able to do that. I know uh, the golf tournament's uh, just super going to be well attended today. But uh, a reminder that uh, only uh, 4% of the National Cancer Institute research investments are spent on childhood cancer. So uh, more is now is more important than ever to donate uh, to find a way and we know uh, jack's story uh the run for the touchdown in the spring game and uh childhood cancer is the uh, leading cause of death in children in the united states less than four uh percent again of the national cancer institute's research investment spent on childhood cancer that means 
Uh, even less is spent on brain cancer. And uh, many Husker alum, many Husker football greats going to be out here to help uh, pledge their support. Numbers to get in this morning at 466-377-6800-825-5865. Can email the show, Chris, at HaleVarsity.com as we're here at Wilderness Ridge for the Team Jack Golf Outing. Uh, Elijah Herbal back at our ESPN Lincoln Studios. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore Radio Chris Schmidt or at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. About uh, 15 minutes away, we will rewind with Phil Steele. Really in-depth preview of Nebraska football. Uh, we look at the Big Ten with Phil uh, in hour two. We'll say hi to Brandon Vogel. We may even try and stream Mr. Vogel as we're broadcast live here on Facebook and Twitter with ESPN Lincoln. Gary Sharp, the Iron Horse, going to be with us around 8.30. So pretty interesting rundown, Elijah, as we look at uh, some preseason Big Ten rankings. And when we talk power rankings... It's uh, I mean, it's a great discussion point, right? You look at power rankings, who and why are going to be at the top of the list, and uh, that top two rarely changes in the Big Ten. It's Ohio State or it's Michigan. Uh, last year, uh, Michigan uh, rose up and did their thing and got to the college football playoff. But heading into 2022, uh, it is Ohio State. They are the uh, the top. Big Ten power ranking on three, uh, national on three, put out uh, their power rankings. Ohio State one, Michigan two, Sparty three. And uh, quite frankly, that's the pecking order from last year, although Sparty did have the head-to-head over Michigan. Are you surprised? We'll get to Nebraska in a minute. Are you surprised Wisconsin comes in at number four, just in front of Penn State, but in front of Minnesota and Purdue, uh, and, and Iowa, your your one through eight is your your top three or presumed three in the East with Ohio State, Michigan, and then there is Michigan State, uh, Penn State in at five. They're coming off a seven and six season. They have not fared well head to head against Michigan State. Wisconsin slides in at four. Fleck and Company at six. Purdue at seven, and then the Hawkeyes at eight. That is a uh, an, an order that you can kind of mix and match, but it comes down to quarterback play, returning quarterback starters for Ohio State and Michigan State. Sparty's going to have a, a talent back. Tanner Morgan, for God's sake, has been there 400 years for Minnesota. But uh, Nebraska comes in at nine. Nebraska comes in from a power rating standpoint in at number nine behind Iowa, behind Purdue, behind Minnesota. Elijah, Nebraska has not beat anybody in front of them. They've had chances. They've had opportunities. They've been in ball games, And uh, I, I don't think you can argue with this. And there's a lot of newness to Nebraska. There's so much newness to Nebraska or faces that you may know or have heard of around college football. But you all got to come together and uh, and gel for uh, an important season. Nebraska just sneaking in in front of Maryland. Um, listen, I can't argue with Nebraska being so low in the power rankings. Now, um, we can talk different lists. We can talk surprise teams. We can talk dark horses. We can talk long shots or, all right, bets that may pay off. 
Kentucky Derby style based on preseason prognostication. But until Nebraska puts a, a history together of uh, some close wins, of some divisional wins, they're going to be slated behind some of their other peers in the Big Ten and in the Big Ten West when it comes to power rankings. It's all chirping. It's all talking anyway. Chance to prove it on the field. And just to be clear, this is power rankings, not their like preseason prediction of how the Big Ten's going to end we, up. We said power rankings a lot. Yes. Just, just making sure that's emphasized here. And, and I don't think there's anything wrong with their rankings whenever you look at it. I mean, when uh, Ohio State should be number one in Big Ten power rankings year in, year out. I mean, even week in, week out during a season. We all know Ohio State's the cream of the crop of the Big Ten. Michigan gets in it, too, because of their recent history, what they did last season, uh, and what they've done as a whole under the Harbaugh era. There's nothing wrong with that. And then, it, to me, it feels like three through six, three through seven is kind of there. Yeah, these teams are perennially the, the good Slot teams. them somewhere. They'll end up somewhere three through uh, three through eight. But it, it's really uh, it's a game of Jenga, isn't it? Yeah, and, and then you got 10 through 14, which is your, okay, these are usually the bottom feeders of the Big Ten. They might come up and surprise you. Nebraska, I feel like, gets its own ranking right at nine, where it's like, you look at their recent history, you're not expecting them to be good, but you also look at the talent on the roster and you go, that's a better team than the Maryland's of the world and the Indiana's of the world. But based on what they've shown us, we, we can't put them ahead of Iowa. We can't put them ahead of Purdue. We can't put them ahead of Minnesota, despite the fact we can look at their roster and say, yeah, the talent there is probably a little bit better. You can't, you can't, you can't do that based on Nebraska's recent history. So Nebraska coming at nine is almost like their own area of the power rankings where it's not, we were expecting them to be good. It's not we're expecting them to be bad. It's we really have no idea what we're going to get from this Nebraska team, and that's because (laughs) of what they've done the past three years. Well, and that's just it. It's absolutely just it. The uh, way to predict or determine success is on past history, right? We've heard a lot of coaches tell us that, and, and past history is a predictor. Okay, what do we know about Nebraska? Past history says they're going to be in a lot of big games. Past history says they're going to be probably leading in some of those big games or have an opportunity to put a drive together uh, within the last three or four minutes of a ball game, specifically against Iowa, to either get a stop or go make a play on a drive. That's how it's, that's how it's been in the uh, Frost era uh, when it comes to those Iowa ball games. I mean, they have been tooth and nail down to the wire. Uh, Nebraska's inching closer to Wisconsin. A really fun ball game when it comes to those who took the overs last year against uh, against Whiskey. So we'll, uh, we'll know more uh, as things move forward with Nebraska and we get ready to kick off for Ireland. We're not uh, that far away from Big Ten Media Days. Uh, a week from Tuesday and Wednesday will be at Lucas Oil Stadium, uh, and we uh, we know that Phil Steele uh, has his thoughts in about 10 minutes. Elijah, some pretty interesting comments from Matt Masker as he had a chance to sit down with our old buddy Sip, and um, this this kind of blew me away uh, just with uh, the, the narrative of the, the interview with the junior quarterback, Mad Masker, uh, and the focal point is the difference of the uh, the offense. As the sunshine is completely engulfing me, as we're here at this uh, indoor outdoor uh, learning center here at Wilderness Ridge, 
We're staring at Wilderness Ridge, the deck. Uh, just in front of us, the practice green to our right. We're here to help support and uh, promote uh, the great folks with Team Jack this morning. The Team Jack golf outing gets underway at 9.30. Back to football, and Frost has turned over, per Matt Masker, nearly all of the day-to-day operations of the offense over to Mark Whipple. Now, that isn't shocking as far as if you're trying to make a hire for a guy like Whipple when it's interview time and, hey, we need some help on offense. We're making a change. How about you come work for us? By the way, great job at Pitt. And uh, if I'm Whipple, I'm like, hey, I'd love to come to Nebraska. I think there's a lot of upside here. Uh, but hey, I'm going to need full control. <laughs> I mean, that, and, and that's that's just how it has to go. I mean, and... The, the comments here from Masker in, in Tip's column is is just eye-opening because, quote, he definitely has taken a step back, and I think that's been really hard for him. Frost is an offensive guy. Scott Frost is a really, really, really smart offensive guy. He has a vision. He has an idea. He has a plan for what Nebraska's offense needs to become to – win in the Big Ten. And when you think of Nebraska's offense, Elijah, what do we think of with Nebraska's offense? We think of explosiveness, but we think of some inconsistency. And and I also think of, unfortunately, uh, it'll it'll look good. It'll make you say, wow. And it's we're not far from the 4th of July. It's that incredible firework that you got that may go off may give you a little ooh and an ah, but ultimately you wanted more, right? I don't want to quite go to the dud card, but we've all had that artillery shell we've lit off, and it was the seventh of eight that wasn't as as, as spectacular and, and pretty as some of the others. And, and that's what I think of the Nebraska offense right now, although we've got a whole new brand of fireworks waiting for this upcoming season because of this change because it is going to be Whipple so what do we expect to see with Mark Whipple what do we expect to see with the Nebraska offense and per Masker's comments I mean if you want a little look see if you want to want a heads up just start watching Pitt film Um, and and I think the biggest thing for me uh, when we talk Nebraska's offense in in 2022 uh, it has got to be uh, a a situation where uh, the, the run game won't be abandoned, but can't be abandoned. There's got to be balance as much, as good and as much as the the Whipple offense has been throwing the football in that controlled passing game. You've still, in, in, in fourth quarters, against the Iowas, against the Wisconsins, you still got to be able to put a four-minute drive together and win running the football. That's, that's just it for me. When push comes to shove, you're going to win in the Big Ten running the football. And is that going to be the emphasis in this offense uh, we'll see. You, but to me, you've got a ton of skill talent. You've got a couple of quarterback options. And uh, I think Nebraska's going to want to get down by throwing the football and use some of their studs. But it's ultimately going to be that offensive line and and a running back that gets it done for Nebraska in those November games, in those deciding drives 
that turns Nebraska in from a, are they going to be bowl eligible? Can things be okay for Nebraska and Scott Frost in 2022 to, okay, Nebraska's really dangerous throwing the football to all their talent. Nebraska's got a, a playmaker and a poised passer in Casey Thompson or a Chubba Purdy. But, uh, wow, how about that Nebraska offensive line? And how about the running game? How about Ramir Johnson? Uh, how about Anthony Grant? How about, you know, pick somebody, right? That That's going to be, as, you know, future headlines here as we get into December. If it's a great season or even a good season for Nebraska, it's going to be because of the run game. Yeah, and really fast, I want to go back to the the – the metaphor you made about the the artillery shells in the 4th of July with Nebraska's offense. Because what Nebraska's offense has been is like, you just said, yeah, say eight artillery shells, but the seventh goes in. And I kind of like what you said, but I'm going to say you put the artillery shell in upside down and it blows up in the tube, and then a spark goes into the back of the minivan you got parked in the driveway, oh, lights so it's, off it's, the fireworks. It's that Twitter footage. Yeah, and, and everything yeah. just goes off the rails. That's what Nebraska's offense has been where it looks pretty for the you know the first six plays of a drive, and then that seventh one goes in, the artillery shell is upside down, and it absolutely just destroys everything. That's what Nebraska's offense has been. And Can, continue. No, as I say, you know, we can we can further this metaphor by a gust of wind knocking over a full artillery shell. <laughs> and then, uh, boom, your keg gets blown up because guess what? Uh, it does go off, but that is the air quote dreaded turnover, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's the that's the inopportune turnover in, in, a, in a key moment. Brennan checks in on uh, Facebook Live. Uh, let's, oh yeah, look, Elijah looking bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. Apparently I look like crap this morning, Brennan. I'm, uh, I'm no, just I kidding you here, but we're here at Wilderness. I think I look fine, right? Like, I don't look that tired. No, I think, I think you're fine. No, you're good. Uh, got to bed early last night. We're here at Wilderness Ridge. Team Jack golf outing gets underway at 930. The sunshine is just uh, beautiful. There's uh, shade and, and shadows and then a dewy practice green right now and- that... You've uh, a lot of us. A lot of us have been to the golf course early in the morning. Uh, there's no finer time in the morning uh, than the morning to to go swing the clubs, and it's just peaceful and gorgeous out here. Uh, no one has uh, screamed for yet. Uh, there's been no missed uh, missed birdie opportunity, but uh, it's all in a great cause for Team Jack Spencer Long, and uh, of course. Uh, Jeremiah Searles and so many former Huskers, Rex Burkhead, they'll be out here raising money for uh, for Jack, Team Jack, and the fight against pediatric brain cancer. And bless their heart, they've been doing it for so long since their days at Nebraska uh, with Jack. So that's why we're out here this morning. And uh, it was great to spend a few minutes with Mike Shuart, Wilderness Ridge Golf, as uh, Shuey sat down with us. So uh, we have Phil Steele on the docket. We will check in with Brandon Vogel from Hale Varsity, talk some more football. Had a tough one last night, Elijah. I'm not going to lie to you, man. Uh, thanks to you and Dolman for covering uh, Hale Varsity. So Nebraska is, you know, always a, a talking point. Occasionally I, I dive into uh, junior my son, he's a player for Southwest, and it was just an incredible back and forth. They smoked West Side eight nothing last night, and then we get to the, uh, the, the the grudge matches of all grudge matches, and it's always a tight, good, good ball game between Southwest Remax and Millard West. Millard West, an incredible baseball program, and back and forth. There's key hits. There's clutch hits. 
there's men on base with minimal out and both, you know, the pitchers are battling through and Junior uh, was tapped and called upon to come in uh, with a tie ball game uh, in the uh, the seventh and it, it just didn't go well. There may have been a few hit batters. There may have been a couple of strikeouts and uh, it's one of those learning experience moments last night where I will throw a gif up of of Ricky Vaughn, of, of my kid, and we, we had a little wild thing sighting last night. But uh, we had, a, as they say, good talk <laughs> last night, and uh, raising the teenagers like, dude, shut up. Go to bed, old man. That's, uh, that's his takeaway. But, no, back at it tomorrow, or uh, today, rather, up at uh, Millard North for their tournament. We're here out at Wilderness Ridge. Team Jack golf outing. Uh, is going to commence at 9.30. We will rewind with Phil Steele. Thanks to the folks at Wilderness Ridge, and thanks to the folks at Team Jack for having us out. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Phil Steele's next weekend edition continues. Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hail Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hail Varsity Radio show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price. That means that you can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HailVarsity.com. Just go to HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, with Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach. Back into it, it's Hour 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Mr. College Football with us, and we say hi to Phil Steele. College Football Preview at 28 years of excellence, and the 2022 edition is there for you digitally or on your newsstand. We say hi to Phil. Phil, thanks for the time. Great to talk some ball with you. Yeah, always fun talking with you, Chris. Uh, we've been doing this together for quite some time now, and uh, voice very familiar, so good to talk to you again. Well, it is great to hear from you when we talk, Phil. That means college football's just around the corner, 51 days, but yes, we're counting. And uh, a lot to, to dive into and a lot to uh, just take a, a gander at, right, right with, with uh, the realignment with USC, with UCLA. But uh, the, the front, the top of mind awareness for us is, is uh, the Big Ten. And, Phil, that's where I want to start is just your overall outlook. Who, who do you believe is the biggest threat? Uh, what's your research and data told you uh, for Ohio State? Who could be? Uh, a challenger for the Buckeyes here in 2022. Yeah, well, you know, Chris, uh, going back to last year, uh, using that as an example, or using that as the the reason for this year, uh, last year, and I talked to about 120 of the 131 head coaches out there, 
Uh, and last year, 90 percent of them told me, Phil, this is the deepest we've ever been you know, during COVID. Everybody returned with the exception of those players that got drafted. Everybody else was back. So almost every team had 17, 18, 19 returning starters last year. And they would say, Phil, this spring we were able to run three deep. We've never been able to do that before. And now uh, what happened was the, the powerhouses, you're out, you know, you look at the Ohio State didn't make the Big Ten title game. Clemson didn't make the ACC title game. Oklahoma didn't make the Big 12 title game because those play- teams all lost players of the draft, whereas everybody else had 17, 18, 19 returning starters. Well, this year, I think it's more of a return to normalcy. Everybody lost something this year, including the big boys, and I think that's going to really help teams like Ohio State. And with Ohio State, I see them as head and shoulders above everybody else in the Big Ten this year. You look at their overall recruiting classes, what they have coming back. I mean, they've got three Heisman Trophy candidates, uh, quarterback C.J. Stroud, running back Travion Henderson, wide receiver Jackson Smith-Najiba, who actually broke school uh, single-season receiving record despite playing with two first-round draft picks at the receiver position and improved offensive line, and they bring over Knowles for the defensive line, plus have plenty of talent. I do think they they run the table and win the Big Ten this year. Tough top contenders. You know, Michigan's going to be up there. Uh, In fact, Michigan's got a chance of being 11-0 when they face Ohio State that season final. Uh, But I don't think their defense is as good. They lose Aiden Hutchinson. They lose um, David Ajabo, Chris Hinton, all from up front. They lose Ross at linebacker, Hawkins and Hill from defensive backs. Not not as dominant as they were uh, defensively last year. And then the West, I think the West is wide open. We're going to see a lot of teams knock each other off. So, I think I don't know if there is a clear-cut contender to Ohio State this year. Michigan's probably going to give them their biggest challenge during the regular season. Phil Steele's with us. Uh, college football preview 2022 can log on philsteele.com. Also, find him on Twitter at philsteele042. You, you led into the West. And who do you like or who has the best quarterback situation in the West, as you look at it, is it is it Purdue because of uh, of, of O'Connell coming back, or do you think there's uh, somebody else there that could surprise in the West in the Big Ten? Yeah, I think we've got a lot of potential uh, potential quarterbacks in the West. I mean, Illinois brings in Tommy DeVito, who I thought did a good job at Syracuse. He's a guy that can run and throw. Uh, his problem was he got injured, uh, so if he can stay healthy. They've got a pretty good situation. Talking to Coach Fitzgerald this year, going over the team with them, he's pretty high on Ryan Holinsky. He felt that Holinsky was thrown into a tough situation last year, didn't really know the offense as well as as he uh, wanted him to, was going to redshirt, then had to play him. Holinsky's got it started at South Carolina, and I think he'll have a much better year this year. Connell does rank as the top guy at this moment because he had the very productive year last year, throwing for 3,700 yards with the 28-11 ratio, comes back as a senior. Your biggest concern with him is about the receiving core. Will they be as good, losing a guy like David Bell and Anthrop? But I think O'Connell has to come in as the number one guy. Casey Thompson is a guy that did well at Texas. Uh, and now he steps into more of a passing offense under Mark Whipple. Whipple just uh, was the uh, QB for Kenny Pickett at Pitt, who had a fantastic year. And I think Thompson can do well. Tanner Morgan had a uh, MVP type of season a few years back when uh, Soroka was his offensive coordinator. Soroka's back as offensive coordinator. Will Tanner Morgan regain that form they had two years ago? And then Spencer Petras from uh, Iowa 
is a guy that uh, he's not flashy. He's not going to throw for 3,000 yards, but he's a veteran quarterback. He's six foot five, 233 pounds, and he can get the job done. And then Wisconsin, Graham Mertz might have the most upside of the seven quarterbacks that we have here in the Big or in the Big Ten West. Uh, but he has sure after that first game he had. In his first year against Illinois, he has been very inconsistent since then. If he can live up to his talent level, then he has the potential to really skyrocket among the West uh, quarterbacks. But uh, I think all seven teams have potential there at the QB spot. Phil Steele's with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Specifically, Phil, let's dive into Nebraska. Your reaction to last year's 3-9, and what the numbers tell you about the Big Red, and, and what do you have slated for nebraska what do you think happens for frost in year five yeah the numbers tell me they were a lot better team than the final record would indicate that's for sure i mean they they outgained their opponents outscored their opponents on the year uh and to be plus 56 yards per game in big 10 play you finished three and nine is uh pretty remarkable you had uh every game every loss last season was a close loss with the exception of ohio state and when I mean close loss, I mean within one score. So seven net close losses last year, and the three wins were by 45, 25, and 49 points. So this is a team that's way under the radar as far as uh, they were much better than the 3-9 and nine record. All my indicators out there are pointing heavy on Nebraska up. They had seven net close losses, four net upsets, plus 56 yards per game in Big Ten play. And uh, so it's really uh, uh, promising for them. But I'm going to take you back to 2019. They had a lot of signs pointing their way. I had them as my number one most improved team in the country. And Scott Frost and company disappointed me. They went five and seven. So I'm hoping that doesn't happen again. I do expect them to be a much better team. And I think they are a contender in the West this year if they can get those uh, close wins. Do you have Nebraska projected as a bowl team, Phil? Yeah. Yes, I do have Nebraska, and I think they could pull an upset or two. So I, I can see, I can see them flipping the record from three and nine to nine and three potentially. Phil Steele's with us. College football preview. Hale Varsity Radio talking Nebraska, Big Ten, and uh, Ohio State. Uh, where do the Huskers figure into the West race? Phil, you, you you dive into some of your games of the year. You you look at most improved. As you look at Nebraska's offense specifically, where are they at on your radar when you look at at the offensive line situation and just that side of the football for Nebraska? Turnovers have killed them, and uh, their red zone efficiency has been an issue. Defense was pretty good last year. You lost a lot. And then special teams has also been an Achilles heel that's supposed to be much better under Bill Bush. Yeah, and thank goodness they brought in a special teams coordinator. It's something that Nebraska hasn't had recently, and uh, you can see it in the numbers. You go back and take a look at the the last uh, three years' number of special teams rankings. They ranked number 111, 112, and 129. And there's a lot of coaches out there like uh, Duke's David Cutcliffe who says you win three to four games a year on special teams. Looks like Nebraska might have lost three or four games a year due to special teams with all those close losses out there. Now, offense is going to be the key. They bring in a brand-new offense coordinator, Mark Whipple. Mark Whipple likes 
to throw the football. I asked Pat Narduti about that. Uh, he will throw the football on first down, second down, third down. And that's quite a change. It's quite a change in the pass blocking schemes of the offensive line and, and quite a change overall for the offense. But Mark Whipple also produced some pretty good offenses, one of the top offenses in the country last year, led by Kenny Pickett. So I think a lot of it's going to be how quickly that offensive line adapts to the new offense, how quickly Casey Thomas Thompson emerges as its starting QB. Uh, and I don't have and question marks on the defensive side for Nebraska. The offense would be the, the major question mark. Phil, let's zoom out and talk a little bit on a national scale. Uh, we look at the some teams like Oregon and, uh, of course, Utah, uh, some favorites out of the Pac-12, while there still is a Pac-12. Uh, also, give me a thought here on the SEC uh, with uh, Bama and who can challenge Bama, uh, you know, and quite honestly, who can challenge Georgia, where you at with A&M. Let's look at both of those leagues real quick. First with the SEC, is it uh, tile or bust again for Saban? Yeah, I believe it is. And this Alabama team is better prepared than they were last year. They're more experienced to bring back the top offensive player in the country uh, in Bryce Young, and they bring back the top defensive player in the country in Will Anderson. This is one of the more experienced teams Alabama's had. They've had five great recruiting classes. They'll be favored in all 12 games, naturally. Uh, toughest game might be home against Texas A&M, uh, which is a team – equal to them talent-wise, but not equal to them experience-wise. A&M only brings back 11 returning starters. I think if you look at A&M this year, I feel they're the third-best team in the SEC and may be a year away from actually contending for the title. But I do think next year they are, excuse me, are an SEC title contender. And then Georgia. Georgia's just going to reload this year. They lose a ton on the defense, but they play three units on the defense. Uh, so as inexperienced as they are, they're probably more experienced than you would think. And there's tons of talent that they have there. The offense can be even stronger. And Stetson Bennett showed he's a quarterback that can win. I do think the SEC title of the game comes down to Alabama-Georgia. I think that's going to be a hell of a game. It's It's been that way. Uh, you get him in the uh, the title game, and then you get him in the con- you know the national title game, the uh, the conference title game, and then the, the national title game. Utah, are they a playoff team in your eyes? I believe they can get there, no doubt about it. Uh, you know, last year they were a different team once Cam Rising took over at QB. Deep backfield, one of the best tight end rooms in the country. My number six rated offensive line, my number 17 rated defensive line. Uh, linebackers, I rate number 11 in the country, DBs number 12. So they have potentially a top 10 offense, top 10 defense. I remember last year when they got lit up late against Ohio State, they had a running back playing defensive back. They had a walk-on playing defensive back. They had a banged-up secondary. They're much better in the secondary now that they've returned to health and have a player like Clark Phillips back there. And uh, so I think you take a look at their talent and then the schedule. Uh, the closest games this year at Florida in the Swamp, where I've got them about a six-point favorite. At UCLA, I've got them a field goal favorite there. And then maybe the big game at Oregon. But I think Utah's got the potential to run the table. Their two biggest contenders in the Pac-12 are probably USC and Oregon. And with Oregon, you know, you look at them, uh, the big knock on 
their quarterback phone next was he couldn't win on the road his first couple of years. But last year he won some big road games. And this year, all of Oregon's big games are at home. They play Stanford, UCLA, Washington, Utah, all at home. The road game is very manageable. Washington State, California, Colorado, Oregon State. I think that gives them a great shot at getting to the Pac-12 title game. And finally, USC. Got to love the job Lincoln Riley's doing there, especially through the transfer portal. I mean, this was a team that was 4-8 last year. They only have 11 returning starters. But he brings in Caleb Williams, his quarterback from Oklahoma. Mario Williams, one of his top wide receivers from Oklahoma. Jordan Anderson, the Blitnikoff winner from Pitt. Travis Dye, a 1,000-yard rusher from Oregon. Uh, the top receiver from Memphis, top receiver from Colorado, top receiver from Washington. He's got an offensive line that uh, he was surprised with. When I talked to Coach Riley, he says he likes the top-end experience and didn't expect to inherit this much talent. And then defensively, they had in Alabama, started, a guy that started 13 games for Bama was my number six running back or linebacker out of high school and Shane Lee he comes in the middle linebacker they've got Makai Blackman coming over from Colorado who was one of the more underrated cornerbacks in the country ton of transfers on the defense I think they could be a uh, they are my number one most improved team in the country and I think they can go from four to double digit wins Phil Steele's with us Hale Varsity Radio College Football Preview Phil real quick how do you Factor in the the transfer portion of this. Mel Tucker, the shining example, eleven and two, an incredible last year for Sparty. Nebraska's kind of in that similar boat. They were right there with USC as one of the the more aggressive teams. I mean, fifteen portal guys for Scott Frost and some really high profile guys, not just a Casey Thompson, but also a, an O'Shawn Mathis, a win at Alabama. I mean, Nebraska really went shopping. How do you factor that in when it comes to prognosticating a team's success? Well, I, I think the the main thing for me I'd like to see is the guys from the transfer portal win the starting job in the spring. I think that's the ones that are going to contribute the most. You know, talking to the coaches, it was hit and miss for the portal. And a lot of the uh, the group of five head coaches did not have as much success with the FBS transfers coming in as they did with the FCS transfers coming in. But I think among the FBS guys, uh, do your research, bring in the top guy. You can have an impact. And, and we saw that all over the country last year with a bunch of teams that did have an impact. So it's, uh, it is hit and miss a little bit. Transfer portal, you wonder if the guy's got an attitude. Why is he transferring? Why didn't it work out the other school? But I, I find the transfer portal is definitely a good, a good replacement for if you lose a lot of players to bring those guys in. And as you touched on, Nebraska very active in the uh, transfer portal market. Phil, last thought, Oklahoma is coming to Lincoln. Uh, no Lincoln Riley. But Venables is uh, coming up to, to Lincoln. Huge non-conference game, huge nostalgia with the rivalry. And uh, is that a, a springboard game? Is that a barometer game for you, for Nebraska, for the rest of the season? Or do you think it's Ireland? How do you kind of rate, uh, like, most important ball game for, for Nebraska this year? Yeah, I would say – to me, the more important game would be the Ireland game against okay. Northwestern. they got to come out there and win it. Northwestern's a very dangerous team under Fitzgerald coming off a losing season. If they can win that, I think they are a Big Ten West title contender. 
and that's going to be huge there. If they lose that one, then all things are lost. Lose Oklahoma doesn't affect your Big Ten standings, and the Big Ten is really what they need to do, and they also need to get the wins. Now, as far as that game goes, I mean, last year was a heck of a game. You know, Nebraska could easily have won that game, changed one play here, one play there. Could have won it. I thought they controlled a good portion of the game. Uh, and this year they get them at home, so it's going to be one of those toss-up games spread-wise. I will say this about Oklahoma. Uh, they only have 10 returning starters coming back, but Dylan Gabriel, at quarterback, is a guy that had a fantastic 2019 season with Jeff Levy as his offensive coordinator. He's playing in the same system. It's Jeff Levy as the offensive coordinator, Dylan Gabriel at QB. They've got Eric Gray. They've got a much improved offensive line. They've got some dangerous receivers, and the defense, Venables knows defense, and they should be well, and they also have a decent special team. So I think that's going to be an incredible game, and a great one is a national college football game, but more important in Nebraska is definitely the opener against Northwestern. Phil Steele, college football preview. Phil, we'll get caught up again. Awesome to, to spend time with you. Thanks for the time today. Hey, always a lot of fun, Chris, and uh, appreciate you having me on. And don't forget the magazine's available at Barnes & Noble the first three weeks of July here. Uh, you can get it at Barnes & Nobles uh, starting on July the 9th, and then you can also go to the website, philsteel.com. But always great talking with you, Chris. Phil, you take care. Thanks. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor of Hale Varsity. I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Back with you, Tower 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We are on the road. Weekend edition posted up here at Wilderness Ridge. The Team Jack Golf Classic gets underway at 9.30. And a lot of former Huskers, a lot of big Red fans will be out to show their support for Team Jack. Uh, the fight against pediatric brain cancer. Uh, it is uh, just a wonderful organization and event and uh, we are thrilled to be part of it chris schmidt elijah herbal we welcome in managing editor with hailvarsity.com and magazine brandon vogel with this i'm out here in the uh, the education center is what shuey titled it the indoor outdoor facility here near the uh, the putting green elijah is uh, chained back at the studio bless his heart and we go to the brandon vogel football office and studio. Vogues, good morning. Good to spend time with you. Thanks for jumping on. Thanks for having me. Maybe I'll get some letterhead made from the from the football office of, of Brandon L. Vogel. That's a good <laughs> well, idea. I think, I think that, that works out well. We will dive into uh, some of Matt Masker's comments. We'll dive into the power rankings uh, where Nebraska was slotted. Some recruiting as well, Vogues, that you and Aaron Sorensen have been all over. But uh, you and I were big Sopranos fans. Uncle Pauly uh, left us yesterday. Uncle Pauly is most 
like who in the Big Ten? Uncle Paulie represented who in the Big Ten? What football uh, program? Why did you watch Bielema? The Sopranos? Who? Maybe Bielema. Is, okay. Is ooh, uh, ooh, ooh. You know, after seeing him kind of go off on his O-line last year in the middle of the season saying, I don't think there's a player we've recruited here in the past X number of years that's contributing. Uh, you know, we've seen we've seen Brett. You know, he's a pretty calm guy. He can be pretty funny, which, you know, I guess that was Pauly too. Uh, it's it's the when he goes off part that you got to worry about. So I'm going to go with that as my pick. I love it. Brett Bielema is Pauly Walnuts. That is your Big Ten comp right now. You know, I think I'm going to go Michigan because you don't want to mess with them. Uh, you don't uh, know how it how it'll end, and if they're on it, they're and you know, Paul Paulie was a criminal, so this is not praise. But when he was uh, when he was in charge of something, more times than not, it uh, it went well for him and for Tony. But there was the uh, the infamous Pine Barrens episode where him and Christopher were stuck out in the uh, the cold. <laughs> I was just going to mention that. <laughs> okay, and, and that, that was the, the interior designer that killed twelve Czechoslovakians. Yeah, yes, yeah. And, <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> this guy was from Russia. What? He's KGB. No, um, that 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 episode, the way Paulie was kind of squirming, always represented Ohio State to me. There's that you can't ever undo that episode as great as it was. But man, uh, the super sky point to uh, to uh, to Paulie Walnuts. Vogue's a lot of football to get into, so let's start there. And uh, as a whole, we'll we'll go recruiting here. Uh, Give me a grade for Nebraska this summer with uh, some of their hits and some of their misses. What's the cumulative score look like here for what uh, Coach Frost in Nebraska has done here for 2023? Yeah, good question. Um, I think cumulatively I would go – with a B, maybe B plus, um, B plus to get to the plus. I think it's because they're in my opinion, a little bit further ahead with the number of commits they're probably going to go into the season with. So that's, that's good news. Uh, they got some guys in the boat and were able to get them committed, uh, had a pretty, I think successful, you know, visit period there with the camp season and a couple of Friday night lights. Uh, so it felt like a little bit, you know, after, really uh, two recruiting cycles that were disrupted by by the pandemic and restrictions there, this felt like it was a little bit back to normal. And I feel like Nebraska maximized that. Um, you know, I, I, I have a hard time going higher than that just because of really some recent developments. I mean, you've had really the top two running backs, I think, on their board. Both went elsewhere. Uh, that's a little bit of a hit. So... Other than that, though, you know, some of these other guys who Nebraska maybe made the final group for, I, I don't know if, if the Huskers were ever truly the leader there. So B plus, um, they did some good work, still got a couple of big holes in, in my opinion that they'll, they'll be looking to fill this season. Brandon Vogel's with us. Hail Varsity.com and Magazine. Uh, we're here at Wilderness Ridge. Team Jack, Mike Schuhart's wandered over. That is a spectacular tie he's got on. He's like, you like that? I do like that tie. Uh, no, I think Nebraska's done a good job. I think Mickey's been the story you wrote about Mickey this week. Um, are you, 
is is Nebraska still okay? I mean, Brock Knudsen's the in-state kid. They got him. It, Vogues, they also were were it were, were in it for the for the kid that went to Oklahoma. His name's slipping. Me. Forgive Green. me on that, but Caden Green. Thank you. Caden Green was was right there. I mean, Nebraska was right there. It seems like not only is Nebraska like finishing second or or third amongst a really nice peer group that didn't go three and nine, right? But they're all, they're, losing, they're losing to Oklahoma. A lot of kids. They're losing a lot of kids to Oklahoma. So is that a good thing or a bad thing to be in it with Oklahoma once again for recruits? You gotta you you gotta start winning some of those battles, and the um, the battle down the road here will be between Nebraska, Oklahoma, Michigan for a for Malachi Coleman. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a good thing. Um, you know, not just green this week, but Phil Picciotti, well, I guess at the start right, of the week, linebacker. really. Um, and, you know, it, it feels new a little bit. Like, you didn't, you know, at least in my memory of it, didn't see Nebraska and Oklahoma intersect a lot. And that might be the result of a, a new coaching staff there. You know, Lincoln Riley was, was truly, you know, kind of coast to coast to a degree that I think a lot of Oklahoma coaches in the past, they weren't to that degree. Um so, so that might be might be part of it. They're just intersecting a little bit more in the Midwest. But I do think it's an indication. You know, I mean, the, those two guys that we just mentioned, Green and Picciotti, like they were obviously Oklahoma caliber recruits. It's not like it was a, a regional find that Nebraska got in early on and then Oklahoma swooped in. Um, so I, I do take that as pretty true. Um, Nebraska has been recruiting with Oklahoma. Uh, Oklahoma still has, well, it has the past decade uh, compared to Nebraska's past <laughs> decade to sell. And at a certain point, like you, you can't talk your way around that. Brandon Vogel's with us here on a Saturday morning edition of Hale Varsity Radio. And, Brandon, it's felt in, like, the past two weeks like Oklahoma, uh, maybe even the past month, Oklahoma's been Nebraska's real recruiting rival this cycle. Uh, has there been a, a, a team that you can pick as, over the past couple of years during the Frost era, as being Nebraska's recruiting rival? Is there a team like that? Or is there a, a team you can project out as, as you look at the future of college football that could be Nebraska's rival here in the near future? Yeah, it's it's there's not one that easily comes to mind and and, and it might be, you know, maybe Iowa and and that's but that's mostly I think Iowa obviously comes to comes to Nebraska and has done well there. Um, You know, Noah Fant pre-Frost era, but Keegan Johnson was was, of course, a big one. Um, And Nebraska goes into Iowa, too. And it's tough. I mean, Iowa just landed one of the best offensive linemen in the country, a final group that was Iowa and Alabama. So they do a pretty good job of protecting that territory. I think that's always going to be there because they have a ton of confidence and they've had some success, particularly in the, the Metro in, in Nebraska. So that part's always going to be there. I think we'll continue to see this, this Oklahoma piece of it. And, and realistically, you know, if Nebraska can start winning at some of those head to head against Oklahoma, it means, well, the Huskers on field play probably improve, but I think that's probably where they should be. Um, and, you know, it was much different in the big 12, big eight years where, you know, the big eight basically was Nebraska in Oklahoma and they intersected all the time, you know, Turner Gill, Leonis Flowers go on down the list for, for all of the, you know, kind of high profile recruiting battles that involved the Huskers and Sooners, but where they're located. And I think, you know, for programs of their standing, 
with how much they have to go national, uh, Nebraska to a greater degree than Oklahoma, of course. I think they should be recruiting basically running mates or competitors uh, when both of those programs are at or towards their, their optimum level. Brandon Vogel getting us caught up on the week of recruiting. It's Hale Varsity Roadshow Weekend Edition. We're here at Wilderness Ridge. The Team Jack Golf Classic gets teed off at 9.30. Uh, we thank uh, Shuey and the crew from Wilderness Ridge and, of course, the great folks at Team Jack for having us out. Spencer Long, Jeremiah Searles really uh, putting this together with the, the incredible folks from Team Jack. So we're on site at the Education Center here just near the putting green. And Vogues, I know that, that water and beach and sun are a bit of an acquired taste, but next time you're in town, we, we got to get you down the Wilderness Ridge slide. There's a swim-up bar. There's, a, there's an adult area where uh, mom and dad can pop on a tube and hit the lazy river. But uh, I think Vogues... With uh, with a with a vintage Cubs hat turned backwards, face first, down the winding slide would be something everybody on Hale Varsity Instagram and Twitter want to see. Uh, yeah, I don't know if anybody would want to see it, but I'm interested in doing it. Uh, I do better with pools <laughs> than I do the ocean. I think it might be what you mentioned, Chris. Uh, I, I've never, I've yet seen a swim up bar at the ocean. Uh, occasionally, you you will find one at a pool. See, the, uh, the bar being the, the key word. Let's hit on some power rankings. And Elijah and I kicked off some, some thoughts here in hour one about uh, some power rankings uh, from, a, from a site, a national site. And Nebraska comes in at nine. Ohio State one, Michigan two, Sparty three. Wisconsin, weirdly, is four in front of Penn State. I know Penn State struggled last year. Then you get your Purdue and your Minnesota, Iowa at eight, but Nebraska nine. Is that let's let's go Goldilocks and the three bears? Too high, too low, or just right? Or do you think it's it's more than fair based on past performance here with Nebraska? We're trying to project twenty twenty two, but uh, how does nine grab you? Feels pretty fair. Um, you know, I, I don't. It's it's hard to put them a lot higher than that. Um, I mean, you look at you know, look at the the nine Big Ten games this year. I think the only two teams on there Nebraska beat the last time they played were are Northwestern and Rutgers. Um, and was Northwestern ahead of Nebraska in those rankings? Like it wouldn't surprise me if they were. They won the division twice in the past four seasons. Uh, down last year, and you know there's some some big question marks about the Wildcats this year. But it's such a, you know, so you've got Ohio State, and I think they've got such a lead at that number one spot, even over a number two Michigan. And then I think, you know, there might be a pretty good gap between Michigan and that next group, which for me would be uh, Wisconsin, Penn State, maybe Iowa. And then you get to kind of the vast middle of, of the Big Ten where you can kind of put all the names in a bag, shake them up, and see how they how they or what order they fall out in each year where you're talking Minnesota, Purdue, Northwestern, Nebraska is probably in that group. Um, Michigan State, maybe, although might be trending out of that group. So it's it's it, it, based on on field results. It's, it's hard to say, well, Nebraska is clearly better than nine. 
Um, that said, in my mind, there's probably a lot of movement there between five, six, seven, eight, nine every year. Brandon Vogel's with us here, Saturday morning edition of Hale Varsity Radio. And Brandon, with your team previews, I want to get your take on this. I'm just going to list off the, the Big Ten West teams in order, and I want to get your reaction to how they've ranked them. Wisconsin comes in at four uh, in the Big Ten. Uh, they're the, the first team in the Big Ten West to come in. At six is Minnesota. Seven is Purdue. Eight is Iowa. Nine is Nebraska. Uh, and then after that, you got Northwestern and Illinois. Is that a, a fair ranking of the Big Ten West coming into the season? Um, I would have Iowa ahead of Minnesota and Purdue. Um, I think, you know, the question with Iowa is obvious to anyone, uh, Iowa fan or not, just anyone who watches Iowa football, like the defense is going to be top five, top eight in the country. And the offense might be bottom five or bottom eight in the country. Um, can that offense like get to a level where it just (laughs) helps the defense at all? Um, and I mean, Iowa really has built itself over 20 years under Ference, 20 plus years under Ference to help its defense in other ways, particularly special teams. And I think it's, it's tough based on the current run that Iowa's on, even with that offense, even knowing. I mean, the amazing thing about Hawkeyes is they don't need much offense. Uh, they have figured out a way to win doing that. And not many teams in today's college football can. Um, so I'd go Iowa two, probably Minnesota after that. And then Purdue, you know, if we're looking at kind of power rankings going into 2022, sure. Um, had a pretty good run to end the season last year. Uh, defense made a ton of gains. That said, I would be more bullish on Nebraska's chances in 2022 than I am Purdue's at the moment. Vogue's uh, Bill Conley uh, with ESPN put out his West preview Phil Steele chatted with us and, and has Nebraska as a team that, that could follow through on that most improved list despite 2019's face plant. 34th and 35th, that's the projection by, by uh, Connolly. Bill says Nebraska's offense could be 34th to 35th. The defense could be 34th to 35th. That's the projection. Their projection... Also seven to eight wins, right, and, and five conference wins. So we, we put that all into the blender. 35th is what? What's that translate to point-wise, scoring offense-wise? And from a defensive standpoint, does that sound too good to be true based on what's lost, a, a top 40 defense? Because I think they were, what, 60th last year total defense? Yeah, um, I'm guessing Nebraska defensively probably ranked higher in uh, the defensive SP plus, you know, which is an entirely separate thing. Um, you know, 34th or 35th offense, I'd I'd have to look. While well, I was actually looking at some scoring offense numbers, now let me see from a points per game perspective what that was. 35th was 32. Okay. Yeah, I figured it was probably around 32, 33 points a game, which if you can do that in the Big Ten, playing a nine-game Big Ten schedule, like you're going to be pretty good. Um, and, you know, pretty good since you're playing nine conference games might be eight wins, which I think everyone here would and everyone listening would probably sign up for with Nebraska right now if you could, you could lock that in. And from a defense perspective, so that probably is 25, 26 points a game. Um, which would be up a little bit from from where Nebraska was at last year, and that's probably fair uh, given how much they have to replace. But if on average you've got a six-point cushion each year, 
or over the whole year between offense and defense, what you're scoring, what you're allowing, you're probably probably going to be in that eight win range um, most of the time. Now, <laughs> the thing with Nebraska has always been, yeah, it's supposed to be there, but it's just not for whatever <laughs> reason. It, it, I think I liked about Connolly's Big Kid West preview is he's like, you can look at Nebraska and see all of the randomness of the Scott Frost era, but at some point you do have to wonder, maybe it's not random. Brendan, we, we, we've talked about the offense and the defense, but we're leaving out a very key component that's let Nebraska down a lot in the past couple of years. That's the special teams. And special teams gets glossed over in preseason previews. It's been it's happening the past couple of years for Nebraska. And it feels like every single year you get to week one and you go, oh, yeah, the special teams. I forgot about that. Um, and Nebraska fans haven't forgot about the special teams this offseason because of how bad it's been. So what does Nebraska's special teams this year need to do to just not be a complete minus on the team? We're talking top 100 in the country, top 80 in the country. But what do they need to do? I'd say top be between 70 and 60. So that puts you 65 is average. Uh, It's the median for 131 teams or thereabouts. Um, If they can just get to average, which would be basically a net zero, they're not one of the best special teams units in the country that's you know maybe adding a point or two to your total each game but they're not detracting a point or two which has certainly been the case the the last four seasons i think for nebraska if you were to look at it as a whole um at least a point or two so kicking game um you know make 75 percent of your field goals that's about the national average uh nebraska wasn't close to that last year i think they were at 50 percent uh at the end of the year punting like if you can be in the middle of the pack in the big 10 that's pretty good because it's usually a pretty good special teams conference um if you get a little bit out of the return game it's tough and kick return because there's just so many kickoffs or a foregone conclusion and it's just like taking it to 25 which probably makes sense most of the time but get a get three or four punt returns that kind of flip a game or give you a great field position and, and a little bit of momentum and I think it, it's, it might be as low a threshold as that. Like, just be average uh, and see where that, see where that takes you. Uh, Mike Schuart's joined us here, Wilderness Ridge Golf. Uh, Shuey, you, uh, you know Brandon Vogel. We're working on getting Vogues to uh, face first when he's back in town. Go down the slide. You think? I like that. And, and he's like, it might frighten people. <laughs> Shuey, you're a huge football fan. Oh, you, yeah. You've, uh, have you wept over special teams the last couple of years? Oh, my gosh. You want to talk about some frustration. I can't believe my TV's still intact. <laughs> many times I've thrown something at it. So it's like, just think of all the games that we have basically given away because of just poor special teams i mean i love like the f- you said just average i mean it would make a huge difference just don't be brutal right? yeah and uh, excited for for bill bush man love bill bush and, and what he's all about and should be big time for nebraska brandon vogel is with us hail varsity roadshow weekend we're here at wilderness ridge the uh, education center beautiful patio indoor facility i think there'll be some uh, some vittles uh, cooked up here for the folks golfing. The Team Jack Golf Classic gets going 9.30. Spencer Long is wandering around here. He's looking for a Hawkeye 2 pancake, <laughs> uh, which is good. Uh, our old boy, uh, Elijah Herbal. Elijah, he just slept in studio last night. He's back in, in studio, and Vogues is in the Brandon Vogel football office. So 
okay, there, there's there's the info. We say top 35 in offense, you're scoring 33 a game. Top 35 defense, you're allowing about 26. Special teams, you don't absolutely suck. So there, there's your win. Brandon, we, we, we have narrowed it down to be a lot of one-score games. Does that frighten you? That wow. spreads, yeah, that spreads one, <laughs> one possession. <laughs> that spreads one possession. Yeah, it certainly does. And that's the thing where, you know, on a broad scale, you look at that and say, well, these, these things could be kind of random. You know, you, you get to a one-score game, you're talking about one, two, three plays that maybe flip that thing. Um, and the thing that stands out with Nebraska is just how crazily they've lost that many coin flips in, in a row. And just, you know, <laughs> large numbers, you expect that to flip. Uh, you expect it to flip for any team. Um, so, yeah, you would expect it to flip for Nebraska at some point. I've kind of been expecting it for four or five years now. <laughs> it, it feels like uh, Nebraska is this team that comes in every year, and you're like, well, you can look at that and say they were clearly better than what their record showed. But, again, it comes down to that thing, like, at what point does this, you know, stop feeling random um, and just like some bad breaks? Not not a bug, but a feature, as, as they say. <laughs> um, so... But it, it's tough to get a, tough to get away from that in the Big Ten. And really, you can go back and look at these, look at Purdue's season last year, uh, Michigan State last year. Go back further than that. That some of those Northwestern seasons where they jump up to nine, ten wins, and that's how it is. It's a it's a tough, you know, grapple in the middle of the ring type of conference. And you're going to have to win those those uh, one score games, unless you're in Ohio State or in a Michigan occasionally, Wisconsin when it's really humming where you can just extend a lead on people, those special seasons, even Iowa, you know, which is nine, 10 wins each of the past four or five seasons. Uh, it's the case for them. It, how you do in those one score games can take your season from, Hey, Nebraska is okay. Not, not as bad as everyone thinks, but Oh, they're all of a sudden they're playing for the division title on the last day of regular season. Probably got there by going say four and two and one score games to that point. Mm-hmm. Well, I think back to think of think of Purdue. What what really sparked them to a nine win season? They went and dismantled Iowa, right? What really kind of got the buy in for Sparty? Well, they went down to Miami and rolled, right? I mean, they just got the run game going downhill. Uh, Northwestern's run, uh, they've had a couple of monster seasons when they've won the West. They've always had that one game that that all right proved the. The actions and the coaching and the game plans are accurate. Proof of concept, right? And I think to Nebraska's level last year, I think the Oklahoma game, while maddening Elijah, riding a scooter together through Norman, (laughs) uh, trying to get back for a post game, a little Dumb and Dumber tribute, uh, that game did a lot confidence-wise for Nebraska. As bad as the Illinois game was, uh, of, of that kind of soul sucker. And Oklahoma did the opposite, and you saw some really good momentum. You just couldn't finish against Sparty. You just couldn't finish against Michigan, and that uh, that's that's got to change. And I think some of the new voices, Vogues, as we wrap around, and Shuey and, and Elijah, I think some of those new voices can help instill some confidence when it comes to that finish line. Yeah, I think so. That's the play for Nebraska. And, you know, the way the schedule sets up, you've got one of those opportunities, I think, to, to kind of get the ball rolling week week zero uh, before most of the rest of sports starts. 
that Northwestern game, it's going to be interesting. We heard about kind of Nebraska's schedule for that week over in Ireland, and it's going to be like a bowl week, which, you know, presents a challenge preparation-wise. Uh, can you stay focused? Can you treat it like, hey, this is the season opener, even though it's going to feel a lot different in a lot of ways. Um, that said, <laughs> Nebraska kind of got the best of it. To a degree, maybe it hasn't in the Frost era in that Northwestern game last year. Like, everything they wanted to do worked. They got out to an early lead and just, just cruised. That hasn't happened very often. But it could really build some momentum. I think their second best chance, even though it's one of the best teams on their schedule, you get Oklahoma at home, you know. And if you can get that one to go your way, that could really, really provide kind of a, a boost going into full-time Big Ten play after that. Brandon Vogel, managing editor, HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. At Brandon L. Vogel, we're here at Wilderness Ridge. Mike Schuart, Elijah Herbal, Chris Schmidt. Quick timeout, and uh, we'll move forward. Vogels, have a great weekend. Thanks for taking time and making time to jump on with us, bud. You too, guys. Have a good event. Thanks. There he is. Brandon Vogel with us on Hale Varsity. Quick timeout. We'll uh, find the iron horse. Gary Sharp will be with us. We'll see if uh, a few of those uh, teams that – players that were part of teams that went to conference title games make their way over shuey are you uh what a you, day are you geared up i'm geared up man the day is beautiful it the is. sun is out they're gonna it's have phenomenal. an awesome day to play course is great mike so. yep team jack golf classic here at wilderness ridge mike shuart with wilderness ridge i'm gonna go We'll find the swim-up bar here in about 35 minutes. Mike, Not too far away. That's right. Mike, really fast, before we get to a commercial break, you've been really good at, at handicapping some PGA majors for us. Do you have any, any predictions for the Team Jack Golf Classic on who might come out on top at the end of the day? I know it's for charity. I know that there's Ooh. no winners and losers, but everyone's a winner. Have you looked at the everyone's roster? Everyone's a winner, no question. Uh, I haven't looked at it that close, but... Uh, Shuey needs to examine the I field. Do. I got to go <laughs> ask that question. Now I'm curious. I got to go handicap this field now. All right, we'll get it to us before nine. You All got right. it. All right, a quick timeout. Sharpie's on the way. It's Hale Varsity. Early to rise with Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Here's Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranick. Thanks for hanging out, Hale Varsity Radio Weekend Road Show here at Wilderness Ridge Golf. As the Team Jack Golf Classic gets underway here less than an hour, a lot of former Huskers that have been so near and dear to Team Jack, uh, well, getting ready. Shuey, Mike Shuart, Wilderness Ridge off to uh, do that homework assignment, Elijah, when it comes to handicapping the field. Who's got the best chance? We welcome in the Iron Horse, Gary Sharp with us. Sharpie, top of the morning, how are you? Hey, good morning, and and you know that uh, that's a that's a great cause that you're out at Wilderness Ridge for, and you know it's amazing where the idea started from to where it is now, and it's just uh, you know unfortunate that Andy isn't uh, part of it for uh, once again, but it's so great to see so many people that are carrying on uh, his vision, and uh, you know it's uh, also amazing how quickly Jack has grown. Jack is is absolutely growing, and uh, Sharpie, you're so right. I mean, it's uh, it's very sad with with Andy, but uh, we uh, thinking of him, of course, and and, and his family, and, and the Hoffmans, and so many folks uh, with love in their heart out today to to help fight uh, pediatric brain cancer, raise money, raise dollars, raise awareness for uh, research dollars uh, to battle cancer and pediatric cancer. So. Well, well put, well said, Sharpie. 
we switch gears for a moment to, to football. 49 days, Gary, that uh, we kick off, and it's Ireland time. We uh, think of Nebraska football, and you know what, uh, between the, the, the preseason prognostications that are out and you know, the, uh, the, the offseason and the summertime that's so key for these guys chemistry-wise to get together. I want to start off with your take uh, on, on Sip's sit-down with Masker. What is, what's your reaction? What are your thoughts with, um, with Masker's look-see into uh, what's, what's really happening with the offense? And uh, it's the, the, we, we thought it would be the Mark Whipple show. It absolutely will be the Mark Whipple show. Yeah, you know, there was the, the, the thing that I kind of gravitated more was a little bit about what the quarterback is going to look like. It's not really a surprise. And, and I know it's the offseason and we're you know, seven weeks away, and, and that's been the question is how will Scott Frost react to Mark Whipple? And, you know, that's basically what it is. Let's, let's look at it from Scott's standpoint. It's uncomfortable. I mean, you've, you've been humbled. Uh, you basically got fired as the offensive coordinator last year. And you had to bring in somebody to do a, a, an offense that is really entirely different. I think people are going to see this offense, and it's going to look different from the offense the last four years. And I'm not talking about the execution, but I'm just talking about how it looks. And so you don't really know what's going on. Now, as the CEO, you have to have an idea of the whole package. But it is Mark Whipple's offense. I mean, he runs the show. He comes up with the game plan. And it's not a surprise what Masker said. And it's also not a surprise that, you know, Scott has had a little bit of trouble adjusting. I remember in spring practice, Schmitty, he would he, he didn't know what to do during practice. You know, it, it afforded him the time to kind of oversee and walk around and see the entire picture instead of looking at it from the offensive side. You know, talk to, to players that were on unofficials. But it's going to be an adjustment because you have to separate yourself, and he's not going to be messing in that room. I can tell you 100%. That is Mark Whipple's offense, and Whipple is running the offense. Now, it doesn't mean that Scott can't chime in, and there might be some things that you know he sees that or he's used in the past that might be implemented, but there is no doubt that Scott Frost is not involved in the offense anymore. So that's going to be an interesting transition, especially when you think about your job is on the line this year, and you don't have control over that aspect, I mean, that's, that's tough. Um, so we'll see how that all plays out. Now, the other part of the conversation was about quarterback, what the quarterback's going to look like. And I think we all can safely say that the quarterback will not take a beating like it has in the past in Nebraska. With apologies to Tommy Armstrong and Taylor Martinez and Adrian Martinez, you're not going to run the football like they have in the past. I mean, you know, you looked like last year a couple of games where you thought, wow, Ramir had a lot of carries. And then you look closer at the box score and go, whoa, whoa, Adrian had more carries. What is going on? You're not going to see that. I think you also see a more mechanically better type of quarterback and also the way the offense works. Um, I'm, you know, I've used the word dink and dunk a little bit, but it'll be more let's just, play, let's just play catch. Let's just play catch. Let's get the ball in the hands of the playmakers and let's get them in space and let them, let them go uh, operate. So you know what kind of reaction it was going to get. Um, you know, good for Masker. I mean, he's been here for a while, and, and he was honest, and I think we all have to be honest on how this transition is going to work this year. But just think of, in our business, Shmini and Elijah, you're in, you're in the ratings business. You say to Elijah, hey, why don't you be the number one guy and run the show? I'm going to take a step back when your job is on the line. And that's kind of what it is right now with football. And so it's a transition for Scott, and we'll see how it plays out over the next seven weeks and, of course, over the next 
uh, 12 games when things maybe don't go so well. Gary Sharps with us here, Saturday morning edition of Hale Varsity Radio. And Schmidt, I see you got Searle sitting next to you now. Searle, yeah, Searle's found his way over, and it's always good to see you. Jeremiah, what's up, brother? How are you, my friend? Always good to find you guys. Good to see you. Sharpie, you uh, you remember Searle's well, and we uh, we welcome him in, and, and we'll jump back to football in a second. But, Jeremiah, big uh, big thanks to you and, and your friends and, and uh, what you've done with, with Team Jack uh, from – the get-go partner to, um, to to now, and we have the Golf Classic here. You yeah. second on this event to you and Spencer and the hard work that's gone into it. Well, appreciate that thing. You know, Spencer's done a lot of work. Kylie and the, and the Team Jack team's done a ton of work, you know, and to think that, I mean, just about 10 years ago now was the spring game that we all ran with Jack, and now here we are putting on a, a fun, and Rex is here, and Kenny's here, and it's like the whole gang's back together, you know, so it's been really cool to get everyone back together and just keep raising money for a great cause, and what a beautiful day. I mean, you couldn't ask for a it's better day. I mean, Wilderness, it looks my first time golfing out here this year, so super pumped to get on the course, too. Are you uh, going to hit the slide later? Oh, of course. If they let me on. I mean, I'm a fire thorn guy, so they kind of, ah. But also, I did just real quickly, Sharp, you take some shots there saying, you're not going to get beat up is like Tommy Armstrong, Taylor Martinez. No, I protected a couple of those guys. I don't, I don't like the shots across the bow at, uh, at 845 in the morning. Hey, by the way, what a flex you just pulled off. I'm a fire thorn guy. But good Absolutely. Because, because quietly, Represent. I do too. That's what I'm talking about, Sharpie. I, uh, I have my, my flags firmly planted someday if mama keeps working at Wilderness. Um, uh, so <laughs> I want to get your take here, Searles, to, to Sharpie's take on, on the quarterback part, mm-hmm. the, the beat-up part. I think Gary was talking about you know the, 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 the quarterback run part. Right. Not necessarily the, the left tackle or right tackle pass protection. Fair, uh, <laughs> fair enough. Can Nebraska survive without much quarterback run? You know, it's it's really going to depend on what the scheme of the offense is, right? In a Scott Frost run offense, the answer is no. It's just not because you have to have that redirection and you have to have the ability to go so many different ways. But with an offense that is built kind of like Pittsburgh, it's more of the changeup, right? The Kenny Pickett changeup where it's not the consistent four-yard, five-yard, ten-yard. It's the two or three big 20- or 30-yard runs because they schemed it up. You know, I think that this team, this uh, Husker team, really has to rely heavily on the running backs. They made a big push of putting more players in that room. I mean, Ramir Johnson's going to take a big leap from last year to this year, you really hope. And then you add a few of those special players that came in, and then you just hope that you lean on the alignment. Listen, we're going to be a downhill running football team. Then it's up to them to go out there and do it. Now, there's more question marks and answers at that position, too. But, you know, I think that the whole idea is we can't rely on the quarterback because Adrian Martinez barely finished a year not getting destroyed or having an offseason surgery or go down the list of all those quarterbacks. It's just not a sustainable business model if you want to have a successful quarterback. Jeremiah Searles, Gary Sharp with this weekend edition, Hale Varsity Radio, Wilderness Ridge, out here for the Team Jack Golf Classic. Gorgeous uh, morning here, uh, phenomenal hey, facility. Me, Go ahead, Sharpie. Let me chime in because Jeremiah can point to this because this is one thing that I know because I've, I've heard him preach this about Mark Whipple is the ball's got to get out of the hands quick. That's part of his mm-hmm. quarterback development is you're not going to hold the ball. Three, five, seven. Uh, step drop, but the ball is out of the hands quickly. And you know this, Jeremiah. I mean, look what it does for the drop for the offensive lineman on how much that'll benefit them. If you have a quarterback coach and an OC preaching, we're not holding the football. We're going to get it, and we're going to get rid of it quickly. 
Yeah, that's a great point, you know, but it also comes down when you talk about getting the ball out quickly, so much is on the quarterback, but so much is on the receivers running precise and direct routes. You know, yep. if you're uh, running an out route at eight yards, it can't be at seven and a half and it can't be at nine. You know, they have to be so direct. And I think that's where the beautiful marriage of of Whipple and uh, Joseph is really going to come together, right? If you want a quick in-rhythm passing game, the quarterbacks and the receivers have to be on the same page, so dialed in. But that's really where it comes down to you want to kind of pick a starting quarterback a little earlier than later because that's that's how you develop that chemistry. And so the later, the, the longer this quarterback battle kind of drags out, the longer it's going to take to get that rhythm passing game down. But if, Jeremiah, if I can jump in here for just a second. That's loud. We're talking about the, the passing game here. I mean, we haven't seen a team that isn't run dominant win the Big Ten West since we moved from that Legends and Leaders format to the, the West and East format. I mean, there's never been a, a pass-happy team go out and win the Big Ten West. Is it possible if Nebraska comes out and plays a, a pass-happy system next year, are, are they going to be able to win the Big Ten West? Because we just haven't seen that yet. I mean, it's going to be so dependent on who's who's the trigger man, right? I mean, if you have a trigger man that can sling the ball all over the place, then yeah, for sure. But you come November, like, you better be able to run the football. I mean, it gets, you're going to Iowa. I played in plenty of games where you just could not pass the football. It's too cold. It's too windy. It's X, Y, Z, right? So you have to be able to run the football. So I think that you can get through early parts of the games and, and early part of the season, but you have to just continue to build the run game so that when you're hitting November and late October, that's more of your polished thing, not as much the run game, if that makes sense. Sharpie, want to get your take on Whipple and just his identity we know it's quick passing we know it's controlled passing and it's you know he, he has done well at a lot of stops push comes to shove is he gonna be able to, to lean is he gonna want to lean on the run game will it be strong enough to, to help balance an offense and will it be good enough to, to not be a liability or make it second and nine, third and nine, if you do try and run the football to burn some clock? No, I, I think any any OC and their bread and butter has got to be able to way to find to run the football when they want to run the football. Uh, you, know, it, you know, you look at the teams that have won the West over, well, since Nebraska's been in the Big Ten, they're running the ball about 64% of the time. So you can say, whoa, you're throwing the ball the 46% or 36%? Yeah, you got to be able to run the football. And you got to be able to run the football when you want to run the football. And I think a key element, you know, everybody's looking at Kenny Pickett. He still wants to run the football. He wants to go with the downhill running game and the different elements that he'll do. So they're not abandoning the running game. That's going to be one of those things you're going to lean on is the running game. They'll just have some really good wide receivers. And as Jeremiah was saying, if you can marriage all of those aspects together, I mean, you could have a really, really efficient offense that when they want to do something, they're able to do something, and they're not forced to do something. And I think that's going to be a key element that they're going to work on. But I also think you're going to see something different this year. You're going to see pet plays. You're going to see build-up plays. You're going to see stuff you might see in the first and second quarter, and you go, why are they running that? Well, they're setting that up for something later in the game. And I think that'll be a key element that you'll see that there'll be a, a dedicated game plan that makes sense that rolls out over the course of a whole game. Instead of trying to score three touchdowns on your first three possessions, you'd like to have one or two, but it's going to be a build-up during the whole course of the game, and I think that's the way that Whipple will go at it with his experience as a play caller and all the different kind of quarterbacks and systems he's uh, managed. 
Gary Sharp with us, Jeremiah Searles, Elijah Herbal, Chris Schmidt, we're here at Wilderness Ridge, Team Jack Golf Classic. Sharpie, uh, always appreciate you jumping on. Searles, I got to put you on the spot, and Sharpie, get your reaction. You too, Elijah. Who are you handicapping here? The Team Jack Golf Classic, what what group is there to watch? You know, we, we asked Shuey, he's doing the research. What do you think? You're playing with your teammates here. Yeah, you know, I played with quite a few of these guys. Kenny Bell can absolutely piss missile the ball. Mm. It's pretty <laughs> impressive. Um, but I've also, my my guy Austin Allen, long levers, it's pretty, he tees that thing up. He has extra long tees, things like five inches in the air, and he just kind of baseball just whap, and it just also goes. You know, How's your game? Mike, you get me within 160, I'm good. Right now I just kind of. <laughs> pee dribble off the tee box, but we'll figure it out from there. Um, you know, but no, I think there's a lot of good guys. I mean, you get into golf kind of when you retire, because it's kind of like I need something to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot of guys here that are just really good athletes that have kind of figured out golf. Okay. Now, the big guys, we just don't rotate great, so that's kind no, of that, problem. No, that, that's all right. Sharpie, are you uh, circling somebody based on that analysis? Well, if, if this is Hunt for the Huskers, I'm going with Jeremiah. Um, but in this case... I, I never, you know what, Austin Allen it was a two-sport star at Aurora. And by the way, people are going to see today, Austin, which, which you know, they want him to be a little bit bigger in the NFL. He is a big man. Um, I never count Austin Allen out, but Jeremiah's right. The big guys have a, you know, that, that's a little bit of a disadvantage. But uh, whoever wins, it's, gonna, it's a great event. But Kenny Bell, Kenny Bell has, uh, Kenny Bell can swing it. I've uh, played in a tournament with him. My God, hello. That air in Colorado has benefited him well. All right. Uh, based on uh, all this analysis, I'm going to circle Kenny Bell. Mm-hmm. Sorry, going to go with the offensive <laughs> no. guy. Uh, Elijah, who do you pick? I got no idea, but I just want to ask Searles, who's going to consume the most beers today? I think that's a better oh, <laughs> That's going to be Spencer Long. That's, that's got Spencer Long written all over it there. All right. Sharpie, we'll uh, check in next week. We'll be uh, with Tia for Treasures on the yep. road out at uh, Woodland for uh, Tia for Treasures and Jeremiah Searles. Sharpie, I always appreciate you making time for us, brother. Hey, thanks. Thanks, guys. Great to hear Jeremiah. All right. See you, Sharpie. There he is. Hey, brother. Searles? I got to run. Yep, you be good. Appreciate Absolutely. you. We'll see you next week. Elijah, Chris, see you, buddy. All right, there it is. Jeremiah Searles with us. We will uh, tip our cap and bid uh, farewell as... Uh, awesome to be part of the uh, Team Jack Golf Classic here at Wilderness Ridge. We thanks uh, to, to those who tuned in, and uh, thanks to those who support TeamJackGolf.org is where you log on to, to lend your financial resources. Elijah, have a great weekend. We'll be back at you on Monday with Hale Varsity Radio. A Huda Media Production.